to another edition of Dowry. The Asian Cup is over. Qatar have been crowned champions of the continent and we're back to business of domestic football. So, uh, welcome to Dowry, the latest episode, of course, and uh, absolutely such a such a lot to get through. Quite incredible uh, of, of what's gone on and what's about to happen as well. So much to unpack. And, of course, we've got our special guest, as always. With me is Arab News Sports Editor Ali Khaled. Ali, as I've just said, so much has happened since our last show. I don't know where to start. I guess there is only one place, uh, and it's the AFC Asian Cup final. Qatar beating Jordan 3-1 with a hat-trick of penalties. Uh, what did you make of it? Hi, Peter. Good to be back. Good to see you again. Um, yes, uh, so Qatar are champions. Congratulations to them. Mm. The, Akram Afif, yeah, the Akram Afif final uh, hat-trick. Hatrick of penalties. Uh, yeah, some will call it the Akram Afif final. Some might call it uh, other things. You know, uh, the fallout, <laughs> the fallout from uh, from the from the match continues like a massive uh, yeah. media war, really, like going on between uh, uh, Jordan and uh, um, and Qatar. I mean, you expect that on social media, of course, a lot of anger mm-hmm. that there was three penalties given and all that. But really, it's spilt over to the to their like newspapers and media, and there's been a back and forth. It, Hasn't been great to see. Um, you know, I mean, first up, you gotta say, Pete, that none of the penalties were particularly outrageous decisions. Maybe the first one was a little bit soft, I I thought, maybe, but there was contact on all three of them. Uh, and yeah, you know, I mean many, many people saying, you know, that you know, you know, experts are saying, you know, they're all three all are penalties, you know. Um, but you know, context or perception is everything uh, in football sometimes. Any team, regardless of the you know the stand, the level of football, what what sort of match is getting three penalties, you know, will always raise eyebrows. You know, people always say, oh, you know, like everything went their way. When that team is the hosts, when that team is the hosts, Qatar in particular, in the final of the Asian Cup, you know, your nuance is the last thing that fans, uh, opposition fans, will, will take into account. You know, so you know, the, you know, the feeling in Jordan is that uh, they've been robbed. You know, there's all sorts of memes of like. You know, people showing but players walking out onto the pitch at the start of the game, you know, and the referee whistling, giving a penalty before the, the match has even started. Mm-hmm. Or the referee saying to players, you know, just dive, I'll give you a penalty and all sorts of things. You know, they, there was, um, um, you know, uh, the, the Qatari media has hit back uh, at some of the comments from the Jordanian players. Uh, so, yeah, it's not just not just on social media where you would expect it. You expect like the back and forth to raise, but it, you know, in the media as well, in newspapers. So it hasn't been great. Uh, uh, it, look, you can understand why, as I said, like the Jordan fans will feel hard done by. They were excellent in the second half. I think you know they were, uh, you know, the the like for a good twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, plenty of chances. Barsham and Qatar's goal was great, um, it saved them. But uh, great goal, uh, great equalizer. But then you know again. Just minutes later, they get a penalty against them and then another penalty in uh, stoppage time. I think, you know, like I said, none of the penalties were outrageous, but they feel really hard done by. It's a sad way for the tournament 
to be remembered or the final to be remembered, I would say, not tournament. It's been a great tournament. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a, like a brilliant month. You know, we've been discussing it uh, with all our guests over the last uh, five weeks. And it has been great to watch. We did get two Arab finals, uh, two, two Arab teams in the final. A fantastic outcome Absolutely. that didn't look like. Didn't look likely, uh, um, you know, after only two, the, these two teams made it out of the round of 16. But in the end, we got it. So so that we, we looked forward to that. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, there's been like that uh, little bit of controversy or no, not a little bit, a lot of controversy as far as the uh, Jordanians are concerned. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, I mean, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, but yeah, I would say it's hasn't really like gone away. There's still there's still a lot of anger in Jordan. Listen, Ali. It, as, as a losing team, you look, you grasp for anything that can yeah. maybe, maybe benefit your your loss, uh, which is obviously what's happened there. Take nothing away from Qatar. Take nothing away from the man who had to score three spot kicks in a final. Uh, let's yeah. look at the yeah, positives. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, and 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 goals are goals. The penalties are awarded. They still have to be scored. Uh, and and Qatar, I feel, I agree with you. I've seen the penalties over again. I would give them. I might question the first if the if the first had been a second or third penalty, I may have questioned giving that. But no, all in all, I, I feel a, a fair result. And all, yeah, you're right, Peter. And look, you know, you really good points. You still have to put those penalties away. Let's not forget in the World Cup final last year, two of Mbappe's yeah. hat trick were, uh, uh, you know, two goals from the hat trick were penalties as well. You know, if you know, you got to give them and you got to put them away. You know, uh, Akram Afif yeah. was the player of the tournament. A fantastic player, really disappointed in the World Cup a couple of years ago, but you know came back strongly in this one. So yeah, congratulations to Qatar. Great stuff. Listen, um, onto club football, and it's great to get back to some of our bread and butter of, of, of what we do here on the show. But before the latest round of the Saudi Pro League, there's the little matter of <laughs> round 16 first legs of the AFC Champions League. Uh, mixed results for the Saudi teams, Ali. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, to be expected, I guess, to a certain degree, since two of them were playing each other. Uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is back with a bang, scoring the winner for Nasser against Faiha on Wednesday. And uh, though it's a narrow lead, I mean, you would expect them to reach the last eight uh, in the Western zone now. Uh, it had had quite an interesting trip to Uzbekistan from the moment they landed. Like everybody was, you know, like as is the case with a lot of Saudi teams this season when they mm. go when they go to on the continent. A lot of excitement about the foreign players. A lot about excitement about all these, you know, European uh, players. So players that came from the European leagues. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, excitement in Uzbekistan. A lot of people wanted to see Karim Benzema, uh, and uh, of course he was left at home because of injuries. A little, quite a bit of disappointment there. Uh, when the when the uh, Etihad players the night before the match they were training at uh, Navbahor's mm. their, their opponents stadium. Uh, when they got off the bus, there was a lot of people chanting Benzema's name. They were asking the Saudi uh, uh, media members, you know, where is he? You know, but of course he had, like I said, he had stayed at, uh, at home because of his injury. Uh, you know, in the end, you know, nil nil result. The match itself was not, uh, uh, you know, was, didn't give us anything. Too exciting. I mean, again, you would expect it to had you know at home to complete uh, the, the progress. Um, and you know, look, uh, finally, uh, Hilal left it very, very mm. late uh, to beat uh, Sapahan of Iran. Uh, you know, coming from behind, no less. Uh, it, and it was one-one going into injury time before Alexander uh, Mitrovic. You know who else? And Abdullah Hamdan. <laughs> I know your old favorite uh, Mitrovic and yeah. and Abdullah Hamdan. 
um, scored to make a 3-1 win. And, you know, uh, of course, Al-Hilal, one of the big favorites for the tournament, uh, you know, with one foot in the, in the next round already. Great stuff. Listen, uh, Mitro keeps doing it. We could do him back at my team, Newcastle United, Ali. I'll tell you what, seeing as uh, Callum Wilson's been ruled out for another 312 weeks uh, <laughs> with his latest injury. Um, listen, time to delve into what the Saudi Pro League holds for the rest of the season. Uh, it's been a lengthy six-week break uh, f- because of the Asian Cup, of course. Uh, uh, and, and, of course, we love our Saudi Pro League. I'm such a fan of the domestic scene. And who better? To have with us uh, Matt Monaghan, expert on all things Arab football. Uh, Matt, welcome back to the show. How's it going, guys? Great to have you back, Brad. Good to see you, mate. Uh, Uh, And it was great. Yeah, and it's great that you know we've been having regular chats uh, during the the Asian Cup. Uh, But yeah, we're back to league football. But before we we get uh, cracking on uh, the the Saudi Pro League, Matt, um, uh, what did you think of the final? The Asian Cup final. You know what I'm going to say, actually? I'm going to move it back one game. And I'm going to talk about Akram Asif after his hat-trick of penalties in the final and that incredible uh, the card celebration. It's one of the best celebrations I've seen in years. But I'm actually yeah. going to rewind it back to the the last four. I thought he was absolutely incredible against Iran, yeah. Akram Asif. Um, he, was, he ran them ragged. Obviously, Iran, I guess traditionally known as having one of the best defences in Asian football. Um, and I thought he was... Unbelievable in that in that tie. Um, the hat trick of finals in the pen, in a, so the hat trick of penalties in the final that takes the headline. But he's basically, I think, in pretty much every game he contributed at least a goal or an assist. You can stretch that back to 2019 as well. Um, so there's lots of arguments about the worth of the historical worth of this Qatar team as back to that champions. But I think just the consistency of Akram Asif over these last two tournaments uh, is just incredible. And the final topped it off. I thought he was the best player in the tournament, and he delivered in that clutch moment. Fantastic. Um, Matt, the, we're, uh, you know, the, the action in the Saudi Pro League is back on. There was a match last week, of course. Uh, it had, had a postponed match because of their uh, involvement in the Club World Cup. Uh, but, you know, this weekend sees proper return. We were already in the middle of the um, uh, match week. I know you wrote a couple of brilliant pieces for us at Arab News looking, for, uh, looking ahead uh, to the rest of the season, really. And uh, you went through every club and you mentioned what uh, business they uh, did in, in the uh, winter transfer window, you know, their status and what the outlook is is like. Uh, you know, first off, let, let me, let's touch on, um, uh, the, you know, the transfers. Uh, of course, a lot of people were, were waiting to see, will there be another uh, major uh, splurge on players? You know, it was never going to happen really in the sense that, you know, you, you, there's a limit to how many foreign players you can have anyway, you know, and, you know, it just doesn't make sense for any coaches as well, purely from a football point of view to have, you know, you know, 10 new players in, in two windows, you know, so they really have to work with what they've got. But of course, a few clubs, Ittifaq, Shabab, you know, like did um, strengthen. Just a quick, quick word on the, uh, before we get into like clubs, uh, uh, specific clubs in general, what did you make of the transfer window? I think an interesting factor for me was that we've seen as long-term viewers of Middle East football that clubs in the past have been quite content to even just mothball players that you find them in the summer, they don't work out, they sit out the second half of the season. But I guess the stakes are that much higher in the Saudi Pro League now, particularly obviously the, the big clubs. 
that costs a lot of money <laughs> to mop all these guys. So they're going to keep playing, they're going to keep the faith with them. That's something to address in the summer. I think if you look at the rest of the league as well, there are plenty of teams that did no business whatsoever. And, you know, teams like Al-Khalid, for example, I think they were one of, under the radar, one of the success stories of the season so far. They didn't do anything. But then you compare that to clubs like Epifac, uh, and it was a huge winter for them. It wasn't, you know, for me, it was a huge... Uh, they got behind Gerard, haven't they? Before... We were talking to you on Friday morning. Last night, Espac ended an eight-match winless streak in the, the Ocean Saudi League. And they backed Gerard with a two-year contract extension and also several you know, big additions, both domestically and foreign-based. So they booked the trend. And I uh, you know, I had the pleasure last night of commentating on Espac's game. And Espac was brilliant in the second half. And the signing of Medran, you know, I mean, he's a very interesting player for me. That Jordan Henderson, you know, it didn't work out for Espac. Uh, both, I think, on the pitch he started well and tailed off. And then there's obviously all the the conjecture about the off the pitch as well. But Medran is, you know, he's been in the Saudi Pro League now for nearly three years, I think. And he was magical yesterday. He absolutely ran the midfield. Um, and also with Toko Akambi up top, he was, you know, they signed him from APA. He joined APA in the summer after a long spell at Lyon. They're pretty well at APA, they were well in the relegation zone. And he's really added depth there. He knows the league and performed well. I think Epifat can really motor on from here. And then we're going to see the new Al-Shabaab soon, aren't we, as well? I mean, I'm really sad to see Evan Benega go. I'm such a fan of him as a player. But I tell you what, Ivan Rakitic, not a bad replacement. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, just touching on uh, Itifak, uh, going back to Itifak, how do you see the form of uh, Gini Wijnaldum? You know, obviously, things, you know, he's gone, gone off the radar a little bit over the last couple of years after leaving Liverpool. Things didn't really work out for him. But now with Henderson gone, is he like more expected of, of him? In a, a, you know, obviously in a leadership uh, role. I mean, we know he scored a few goals as well. Uh, how do you see his form? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he uh, last night he was wearing the armband. He's a new captain, isn't he? And also he was watched on by Ronald Koeman and Nigel De Jong, who are the two most powerful people in the, the Netherlands national team setup. So they were watching him last night. So maybe you know, you know, if he keeps performing well, there's a chance to get breaking back into the Dutch squad, which would be timely ahead of the summer. And uh, yeah, last night he um, he was definitely playing more advanced than I've seen him play before for Epifac. Um, missed one pretty glorious chance right at the start of the game, but in the second half he got the opener. And he looked dangerous throughout. He really enjoyed, looked like he was enjoying playing with Madran. And also you've got Seko Fafana to come in there soon as well, yeah. the Al Nasaloni AFCON winner. So that midfield for Etifak looks really strong. Uh, and then also the attack as well. You've got uh, Toko Akambi and Dembele, who will know each other so well from Lyon. Uh, Damari Gray scored a great goal last night from a magical Madran pass. So yeah, I'm feeling quite bullish about uh, Etifak. I feel that you know they've, they've had a gamble on really changing the squad uh, completely as well. Every part of the team, apart from goalkeeper, has had major uh, changes to it. And it looks on this first evidence, which obviously we have to temper it with that. It was the first game. Uh, it looked good. And that's, I guess that's the thing. If you gamble in mid-season, it can change the trajectory of your campaign, both good or bad. And at the moment, it looks like it's good. Uh, Matt, uh, you know, we already mentioned that um, you know, Al Nasser and Al Hilal, the top two, uh, were back in Champions League action. But in the league, I mean, you know, let, let's let's look at those two clubs. Uh, before before the the break for the Asian Cup, you know, you know, week after week, we were saying there's a danger those two might break away from the rest, you know. And um, of course, the seven point gap between Hilal and Al Nasser themselves, and then there's a bit of a gap, you know, that was developing, should we say? Um, do you see it? I mean, 
how do you see their their uh, uh, first half of the season? You've already, um, like I said, you you wrote that brilliant article for us. Um, how do you see their business and their outlook for the rest of the season? And can you see anyone else really challenging them for the title? Uh, sadly, no. But that's not necessarily a negative thing. And I'll come. To, I'll move back to that, that in a second. But I'll say, I mean, you just look at the perform of Al Halal and Al Nasser. It's absolutely insane, isn't it? They're both. I think. Uh, correct me if my ass is right. I think Al Nasser in second place has taken like forty-six out of the last fifty-one points. You have to go back to September, the last that's time correct. Al Halal didn't win a game. Um, they're both setting an absolutely searing pace at the top of the table. I thought Al Halal, very sensible approach to the January market. Um, Neymar, you're never going to get a like-for-like replacement for Neymar in the winter, so they just look to the back with Renan Luddy. Um, and then for NASA, I guess we'll discover what goes on with them and Ospina becoming in for the goalkeeper position. <laughs> I think we could do a whole other podcast on what's going on with Al Nasser's goalkeeping position, but we'll maybe leave that out for now. But um, Ospina could be coming back. And then obviously uh, Aziz Behic, um, yeah. highly experienced Australian defender. Will he just be used in the Champions League or will he be used domestically as well? We'll see. Uh, Fafana going out the door um, for Al Nasser, which I can kind of understand. I think he, after... Fafana performed so well for Lons in France in the last few years. I think people were expecting huge things from him. Didn't quite come off. So maybe a change of environment at uh, will help him as well. Um, so yeah, let's see what goes on. But those two, for me, at the moment, are head and shoulders above the rest. But I do feel very confident about Al Atli. I love the fact they're building momentum. They really, like with, with Jaisler, they've got a real... It's a refreshing change of direction. You never see clubs in this region go for these young foreign managers, European-based managers like Yaisa. It just doesn't happen, really. And Alatli are just getting better and better as the season's going on. And I'm really intrigued to see if they can condition, can position themselves as like to make it um, a battle, a freeway battle for the title next season. Brilliant. Matt, here's a question for you. We know Al-Hilal, you know... <sighs> are, you know, a winning machine, you know, they, they winning the league means so much to them, as it does for Al Nasser, of course, and all the other clubs. Uh, but do you see a situation where if there is, if that gap remains, you know, like we know Al-Hilal will fight to the death for, the, for that title, but do you see a situation where if there is a bit of a gap developing between Al-Hilal and Al Nasser, Al Nasser might switch uh, their attention strongly to the Champions League? Potentially, I think the only thing I will say is that if you look at Al Halal's um, fixtures the rest of the season, they've got to go away to second and third place clubs Nasser and, and Al Atli. So while that gap remains just about within touching distance, I say just about it's seven points. That's huge. Um, is that that I think could keep Nasser going off? I would say as well. Can you imagine? I can't imagine Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, dropping his levels at all, and he won't let his teammates drop the levels. He's just not. He's not made that way. He wants to score. Ronaldo wants to score as many goals as he can do this season, and that won't happen if his teammates decide to just sit out effectively uh, games and all that on there. So I think NASA will keep going, and I think momentum is such a huge thing. I'll, I'll, the example I'll use from Europe is that we see. PSG normally completely coasting in League One are so many star players. And when you get to the knockout stage of the Champions League, they're so undercooked that the, the first time they play a team from Spain or a team from England, they normally lose. So I yeah. think that's a lesson for NASA there that you've just got to keep going. You know, you don't play a huge volume of games in Asian football. It's not as many games as you play in the top European leagues. So these players, you know, they can keep going. They can play. You probably play in what? 
two games every 10 days usually, although they may can get very busy. Um, but yeah, that's I think NASA will keep going. I think it's all about also the setting the, the stall out as well that, you know, this is the two Riyadh clubs, they're positioning themselves as global superpowers, emerging global superpowers, and so that will happen if they just throw in the towel. Matt, I mean, uh, Al-Hilal, speaking of like, I want to touch on some of the, the you know, the, the players that have so far have been players of the season. Obviously, at Al-Hilal, top of the league, playing unbelievable football. Uh, mm. uh, Salam Adosri was voted Asia's Player of the Year and Alexander Mitrovic has been sensational. Uh, um, mm. And, uh, you know, I think uh, a few others have settled in well. Markham's playing well, uh, as, uh, mm. as is uh, Melinkovic Savage. So plenty there, you know. But do you think, despite all that, uh, at Al Nasser, you know, we, we have the... the the player of the season so far and um, in Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd have to double check if he still is, but he came into this, this match week, didn't he? Top of the assist, top of the score in charts as well. Yeah. Um, 39 years old now. And that, that statistic the other day as well, he obviously scored the brilliant late goal against Al Faya. And that was, he scored in every calendar year from 2002 to 24. And I'd have to check. I've not gone back and checked the other, you know, the other the players in the GOAT conversation like Pele, etc. I don't know if he came close to doing that. He had that breakthrough at 17, Pele. But that longevity when football is more professional than it's ever been before, um, just to keep going, to keep doing it, to be motivated, to keep doing that, I think is remarkable. And yeah, he's been, he's been brilliant this season, Ronaldo. You know, Last, you know, it's half season last year at Al Nasser. There were spells, weren't there, where he particularly didn't deliver in the big games, I don't think, for Nasser last season. Um, but he's, he's really stepped it up again this year. He's just, he's just fantastic. He's an absolute phenom, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, um, we've spoken about like the, the, the top clubs. Um, you know, quick word on, on the champions as well. You know, I mean, uh, Etihad, obviously. They're not mm. going to challenge for the title. Uh, I, I know, uh, but you know, like I want you to like just give us a, a bit of a you know a, a summation of like the rest of the clubs. But uh, you know, obviously, at, uh, leading those, uh, it, it had Al Ahli. You've already mentioned, you know, very promising. They're building something there. It's had it's been disappointing. Uh, but how do you see the rest of their season going? But had, I think they're a team caught between contrasting directions. You had obviously the Nuno Espirito Santo building from the back. They had an incredibly ironclad defence last season. And then they tried to switch it up a bit in the summer, um, bringing in big names, trying to be a bit more expansive. And it just didn't work out of, you know, on and off the pitch. We've had a, they've had a terrible title defence. They went out early in the Club World Cup. Uh, still alive in the King's Cup, though, and that could provide, you know, a bit of a silver lining to their campaign. And I guess now that you cannot question at all that the CV of Marcelo Gallardo is, insane you know just such a dominant force in South American football playing that River Plate team of his played great football um, so it's if he is given space now to implant his views basically and that's that's the thing moving ahead for Ithihad and, and also with Gallardo he did that largely with young players emerging players at River Plate can you do that with Conte Fabinho Benzema etc Hamdala all well into their 30s is it possible to do that so that's yeah. I think that's the something to keep an eye on for the rest of the season for Ithihad is that can Gallardo keep the, you know, the, Gallardo is someone who for the last decade or so has been heavily linked to Saudi clubs and they finally, someone's finally been able to convince him to make the move to Saudi Arabia. Um, so can he keep the goodwill, can he keep the faith going into a summer window where you, I think you can expect plenty of changes in the, the squad again in the summer. 
So that's, I think that's a challenge for him. And also success in the King's Cup, that will really help him. And the, uh, the best of the rest, I mean, Altar would have been one of the clubs we've been keeping an eye on. Obviously, you already mentioned mm. Etifak, you know. Do you see any, like, uh, sort of uh, uh, second half of the season surprises coming our way? I think, like, if you look at the table, there's a nice, there's a nice, that spot between, I'd say, fourth to eighth now as we speak. I think there's, a, you know, there's not much separating the teams there. And our, our power enough, they've lost Madran, uh, they bought in Christian Granka, who, you know, someone, no else in this time, Al Shabab also won the title in the UE a few years ago with Alain. Um, I guess about Thailand, there's always, they have that incredible ability. They remind me of like Udinese and Serie A or, or the best Southampton of the last few years where they keep losing players, but then the results pretty much stay the same, particularly under uh, Chamuska, who's a, a coach I have enormous respect for. Uh, they've got, you know, a nice gap from them to Itihad, but then there's a five-point gap to the top three and the top three at the moment, that looks looking like it's going to qualify you for the AFC Champions League Elite when that starts, which I think that's too much to ask for Val Thailand. But um, again, also looking around, Damak, obviously, and Kudu, the surprise success story this season. Uh, you know, right in the mix for the top scorer. Um, we have Damak in sixth spot. You know, they're doing well. Our Fata has looked great under Bilic in 12. And they've really weathered that loss of Alburakan. Um, they're doing really well. And then I, I think Essifax, I think they, they look great last night. And they look like they've done really smart business. And then, well, behind them, our weather and our college, both of them, came ever so close to being relegated last season and then they've, they've done well in the transfer market and they're now comfortably mid-table. And then the big story for me is what's going to go on with Al-Shabaab. They're so far down the rankings, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, we'll wait and see how Rakitic settles in. Um, yeah, I love Rakitic. Yeah, yeah I love him. I think he's a brilliant player. Massive addition, you know, I think one of those players, you know, like, uh, you know, such pedigree. Uh, also, like we, we were mentioned about players of the season, um, I'd made a note earlier, I didn't mention it there. Um, I, I've been a massive fan of how Anderson Taliska has played. You know, he's mm. been, I, I think he's been like one of the standout players. Of course, you know, always going to be overshadowed by Cristiano and Mitrovic's goals and all that, but he's been brilliant uh, every time I've seen him. scored lots of goals as well. So uh, Yeah, I think, I think for him, the big one is that Rudy Garcia never was able to work out how to get Taliska and Ronaldo in the same team, but that's something that Castro has certainly been able to do. I've loved watching on that, so I think they've been such a great watch this season. Like, yeah. Um, I think it's more than it's more than fifty goal contributions between Taliska, Mane, and Ronaldo, and they've been great to watch. And I think that's the other side of this title race. You've got Al Halal and Al Nasser are genuinely very good teams to watch, um, which makes it which makes it good. Because obviously, I had it was the emotion of it's more than I think it was, was it a decade or more the gap between them winning the title last season. But they really they kind of ground it out. But Al Halal and Nasser, anyone could enjoy watching their games. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Matt. All good. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be on. Matt, but you haven't escaped just yet. I've got one final <laughs> question for you. You thought you see Ali, he was try, trying to get away. And, and Here, comes the prediction. Here comes the prediction normally. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. It does indeed. You, you, you preempt me. Um, no, listen, you, you touched on, uh, you and Ali both touched on, on Champions League briefly there. Uh, who's yeah. your prediction for Champions League glory? Uh, I think Al Halal are a cut above everyone in Asian football. And uh, right. I think last night, I mean, you look last night, you had a completely full stadium to Sepahan. Uh, the atmosphere was unbelievable. And Al Halal, so you had the red card, which did change things in Al Halal's favour. But I think it was the fact that Al Halal had the individual quality, 
they have the winning culture at the club and they kept going until the end and you know it was obviously one all going into injury time and they scored two goals in an away tie in one of the most fevered atmospheres you'll see and uh, that for me separates them from the rest I think they and obviously after last season they want to get the Asia is how Al-Al really ranks themselves um, near misses last season and they'll be determined to get that title but Ronaldo are the same he's going to feel exactly the same Ronaldo I don't think Ronaldo's support cast is there's not much in it but Ronaldo's support cast isn't quite as strong mm. as the one found at Al-Halal but the force of personality of Ronaldo like I think that's it's a great battle between Al-Halal and Ronaldo Great stuff interesting uh, thanks Matt Ali uh, same question to you I honestly can't uh, can't really add much more to what Matt said uh it would be a fantastic story if Ronaldo was to win it. You can imagine, uh, mm. you know, him having done it in Europe and now comes and does uh, and does it here um, uh, in the Middle East in Saudi. Would be a fantastic story, um, and I'm, I'm sure. I mean, he, you know, he loves nothing more than records, and scoring goals, and winning trophies, and and you know, adding more accolades to an unbelievable career. But can't see past Hilal as well. You know, I mean, they they really uh, a really good point, Matt made. They they see themselves as, you know, Asia's best team, uh, um, you know, Saudi's best team, but Asia's best, you know, mm. one of Asia's best teams. They hold the record and all that. I mean, it's a little bit like Matt, one of your, I mean, not one of, sorry, your your team as well. It's like when Manchester United were winning for decades, you know, like, or, or Liverpool before them and all that. When, you you know, you just know you're the best, you expect to win, you know, and, you know, both at home and, and in Europe. That mentality and Al Hilal have it in spades. So I'm going to go for Al Hilal as well. Great. Uh, can't argue with that. Two of the most respected experts in Arab football on our podcast. Um, fantastic. That's it for another episode of Dowrian. As we say to you every week, good luck to your team, whoever it may be. And we'll catch you next week on the next episode of Dowrian. <laughs>